Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Fucking Sucks. Today on the show, I have Eleni Sangrios, and she's had to tell me how to pronounce her name like five times. It's fine. You have such a beautiful name, but I'm going to butcher it every time. (laughs) And it's Greek, and uh, my favorite place in the world is Greece, so. Oh, yeah, Greece is great. So, Eleni, she is a abuse educator, raising awareness. She's the author of But They're So Nice, Unmasking Covert Abuse. She is also viral on TikTok. If you guys haven't seen her, you should go on over there. Well, I think what you're doing is great. So, I ordered your book and read the whole thing. And I have to say that it was so easy to read and understand. And even though I've done a ton of healing and I've listened to, I think, everyone that there is on the planet of TikTok and Instagram right now talk about um, narcissism and narcissistic abuse, um, this was very enlightening and I saw a lot of what I went through in this book and I was able to really connect with it and then it's funny because I have friends who either have friends that are in narcissistic abusive relationships right now and so they're like do you have any like any material at all to help educate me so that I can help them and I'm like this book this book right here because it's easy to understand. It's not like reading a psychology textbook where you need to uh, look up every other word, uh, the meaning of it, the definition of it. Um, yeah. It's very well written. Um, you're no, very you. sophisticated. You made this for like the general public. Mm-hmm. So first off, what was it like writing a book? so incredibly hard (laughs) so I'm not gonna (laughs) lie I well I've never written a book before so there's that um and it was me uh as as part of every uh narcissistic abuse healing journey the first phase is the education phase and I feel like just because who I am um, outside of this, I work in like marketing analytics. So I deep dive into pattern recognition and analytics and that kind of stuff. And so lots of research there. Um, I, I got stuck into the education phase a little bit more than most people. And um, part of that was, you know, now I have so much knowledge. Like I have so much information at this point about what is narcissistic abuse. As you know, yeah, you're nodding your head like, yeah. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, we get stuck a little bit in, in this education phase. Um, and now after, you know, I felt like I healed, I was like, okay, I have all this knowledge. Now what? <laughs> you know, like, now what do I do with it? Um, so I I poured it all into a book. And then that was also additionally a very healing that, you know, I – I'm not crazy. And these are actual things that are terminology. Once you put 
names to the type of abuse and the names to this the manipulation tactics and and all that they they all have names and once you put the names to it it felt you know you stop self gaslighting yourself because these are actual clinical names to specific types of abuse not from me but from you know psychologists and like Dr mm-hmm. uh Claire Murphy and and all these other people that are much smarter than me that have degrees um so I was writing in in uh everything I knew in this book and it was hard but also very healing and um I it went through like four iterations and it was just, you know, a, a, at one point, a, a Frankenstein of a book, and then finally got to this finished, more finished version that it is now. Nice. Yeah. And I was going to say um, that these people are not way smarter than you. They just have a different degree than you because you are so knowledgeable. Um, oh, thank you. Your content every day is something different. It's hmm. I like I can literally hop on your Instagram or TikTok daily and learn something new. Mm-hmm. You're you're doing really really well. I appreciate it. Um, I once wanted to write a book, and anybody that has ever heard like my entire life story, um, is like Jackie. You, have you need to write a book. book. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know where to start. I'm so ADHD. I like start here and then I'm like squirrel. And then I'm like, okay, that <laughs> focus. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, it's hard. So props to you because this is something that I do want to do. I do want to write a book. It will be very, very different from your book, but <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be a book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had actually highlighted I have I have markers in here that I wanted to talk about in your book <laughs> okay so in your book in chapter two of okay. they're so nice you wrote these abusers can be any gender however what they all have in common is that these abusers possess the ability to appear gentle kind, charismatic, and even empathetic, vulnerable, or sorrowful. It is precisely the facade that renders their abuse so insidious and bewildering, making it exceedingly uh, difficult for those um, ensnared in such relationships to detect the toxicity lurking beneath the surface. These abusers can go undetected by their friends and families for decades. That is scary, and mm-hmm. I've experienced this, and it's so true. Mm-hmm. I've just never actually seen it written on paper before. So it's very nice to be validated. <laughs> and so I wanted to thank you for that because um, it's so hard as a victim, of, uh, especially a covert narcissist, experiencing such abuse from somebody and then everyone else just thinking that they're these great people of the community. And I hate it it so much. I just Mm -hmm. want to like, like put up a billboard of like, you're an abuser. (laughs) I know. I get it. I so get it. And, and I'm glad like, you know, I wrote it down because it's 
it's actually a really common experience with a lot of covert uh, people that have experienced covert abuse um, because these people, and I've spoken to a lot of people that have voiced the same thing. And we all say, we feel like we're chicken little yelling that the sky is falling, that this person is a covert abuser, but everyone else thinks that they're so nice and they're wonderful. And like usually the best people. And not only that, I have a lot of experience. So, so my, my father is a covert abuser also. Um, but more on the malignant side. So he did strangulation and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, but, but he is a Christian man and a godly man and a good man and a family man. And everyone around my family had no idea that this is what he actually was like at home. So it's really, I think it's really important for us to, to highlight that despite the perception and their persona that these type of abusers craft that that they they the way they are behind closed doors is not the way they are to everyone else and they have no idea how convincing they could be that's the worst part people think that they're it's easy to spot this person a bad guy like they have horns on their heads it's so easy to spot them i could spot them from a mile away and i think it comes from a sense of making themselves feel safer in a society, because if yeah. you feel like you can spot an abuser easily and that everyone else is just dumb, you feel safer. So what they have to understand is what's a scarier concept, but a true concept is that these people are seem safe and kind and genuine, and they could be your teachers or your therapist or your psychologist or your priest or your pastor or any or you know anyone. A nun, <laughs> they could be any yeah. of these things, and they seem really good and genuine and kind to to everybody else, not in a phony way, in a genuine way, and that's and that's the thing that people need to really understand. Yep, and they have sob stories. Oh, oh yeah, feel pit, pity me, feel sorry for me. Yeah, oh, the sob stories, like, yeah. like just I could go on for days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my ex, um, my second narcissistic abusive uh, relationship was he was a youth pastor, and yeah. um, I thought that he had gotten fired from his job because I'm just gonna let the world know that I wrote a massive email and sent it out to all of the head directors at his job, yeah, and sent screenshots and text messages. This was not just my word against his. This was hardcore evidence. Mm-hmm. And I sent it out to his mother. I sent it out to his father. I blasted this dude. And I think he still has his job. I thought and heard through the grapevine that he had lost it. And mm-hmm. I think that this Christian company that helps home homeless youth here in California is still mm-hmm. letting this monster work around homeless youth when I found him cheating on me with one of his youth from when he was a youth pastor that he's so, known since she was 12. Yeah, so he's a groomer and a pedophile and they're letting them yeah. work around children. That's that's like that's what I mean. Like these people just kind of go under the radar like that and it's like really unjust and really terrifying so we need to bring it to like the forefront that this is a thing i will be so glad one day when the uh court 
like acknowledges this behavior as abuse Mm -hmm. and we and we do something about it because when people actually have to start being held accountable for Mm -hmm. these types of behaviors I think we might see more of a change yeah and we're starting. We're only just starting. California just legalized coercive, or not legalized, I'm so sorry. Um, they, we have laws against coercive control now, um, which I think is the closest we can get to narcissistic abuse because it has like the, the grooming, the love bombing in the beginning, and then the controlling behavior. Um, but it's the, it's the closest currently that we can use in court to describe our situation. Good. I didn't, I did not know that. So that's, that's news to me. And yeah, that's so California, great. the UK, I think Australia, but we're, but the rest of the United States is still catching on, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, people need to wake up because <laughs> yeah, I agree. Just because abuse isn't physical, people have to pay loads of money for therapy. Um, oh my God. this, they have to go on medication. Like this is not okay. It is destroying people's lives. It's affecting their jobs. It's mm-hmm. affecting every aspect of their daily task and yeah. what they need to do to be like a healthy functioning human in society. While these other monsters out here, these narcissists, just get to go about their day and just do whatever it is that they're doing. Just pure destruction along the yeah. way. Yeah. And it's not, agree. it's not fair. Yeah, I agree. So in your book, you talk about death of a thousand paper cuts. Can you mm-hmm. um, talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So it's an analogy. A lot of people that I, I came across and it really described my situation so I talk about it a lot in the book because it's it's not the uh, the reason people stay in these covertly abusive relationships without even realizing that this is what's happening to them is because you're looking for one huge action that is obviously abuse. They hit you, they punch you, they call you these horrible names, all these other things, right? But what happens more often than not is the things in between. And it's those covertly abusive behaviors, the passive aggression, the uh, small jabs at you, the controlling how you look, how you act, how you wear, what what you wear. Um, it's the uh, it's the gaslighting, it's the manipulation, it's the psychological abuse. And when I when I speak to even victims with with that had uh, their and also like here's the other thing it always gets worse. It progresses. So usually the beginning of the relationship, you'll see more covertly abusive uh, behavior. And while, yeah, typically, I mean, while it could stay in that, usually what happens is the abuser gets more comfortable and more comfortable with the abuse and more, and they rationalize it and they keep pushing boundaries and they, and they normalize it and then you normalize it and then it keeps escalating. Right. So it will eventually escalate it could escalate to to like physical domestic violence um and and my goal is to really catch like validate that this is abuse beforehand so that when you see these behaviors and you feel there's something wrong in your relationship to validate them and and not 
not believe in the narrative that the abuser is telling you. Yeah, we have to understand that the this abuse is just as bad, if not worse, than physical abuse. Mm-hmm. And we need to learn to nip it in the bud in the very beginning. The issue with that is I know for me with so I had been in one narcissistic abusive relationship back in like 2012, 13-ish. And then this last one over the past like three years. So when I got into the second one, I saw like the red flags coming up. I'm like, yeah. oh no, this is happening again. Like, oh no. And I was so unhealed at the time that I was just like, this is like, this is not happening. This is, and I convinced myself that it was not as bad as what it was. And it was that bad. It was actually worse than what I could have, you know, even thought of. But it, if you are an unhealed person, which is why I think it's so important to have yourself healed before you jump into a relationship because if you are unhealed and you get into any type of relationship, you're going to be more susceptible to accepting abuse in your life. Mm -hmm. And if you had already previously grown up in abuse, like me, you're even more susceptible to this stuff. Because if my abuse was here as a childhood, but this person is abusing me here, Mm -hmm. I can negotiate in my head that it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. When we need to detect that abuse is abuse in general. Period. I I don't even care if it's just toxic or disrespect or lying or manipulation in any form, period. That's it. Out the door at this point. Yeah. No tolerance. My boundaries are like up here now. (laughs) They're like, the minute I sniff, oh. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Like the next person that I date, and I'm very excited for this because I'm obviously, I'm not looking to date right now at all. I'm still healing. Granted, I have grown milestones in the past seven months. I went from not being able to get out of my bed to now I'm just now starting to like work out again. I'm not crying. I don't like the abuse every day. And I'm super fucking proud of myself, man. Like I really am. This is not easy. It's not. It's, it took me years to heal from my childhood. I mean like years. And I'm doing this in like a span of like six, seven months. Like, go me. And you like, have a podcast and everything, you know, like it's, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. It is. And, you know, it, I'm just learning to celebrate myself because nobody else has ever really celebrated me. And I almost cried the other day because um, I was telling my co-teacher at work, I'm a teacher. And um, I was like, I'm almost done with my first season of my podcast. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, like my first season. So she was like, I'm going to throw you a party. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, I've never been celebrated in the way that I should be. You know, so even though I had to go through 
all of this abuse as a child and through all this narcissistic abuse, it's something has come out of it now where I have so much higher expectations for what I deserve in life. Yep. Yeah. And I'm sure. Yeah, no, definitely. But it's, it's one of those things where sometimes we don't know what we deserve because we've never experienced it. Right. We don't know what we don't know, you know? I know. And yeah. And like, you know, if you've had a string of relationships where, you know, maybe the person you thought the behavior was normal because you don't know any better, you know, how are you supposed to push back on something if you're not, if you don't know that's not healthy or that you deserve more, you deserve better. And it's not that you deserve more and better. It's, it's also that this is actually normal for people that love you to do these things for you, like throw you a party for your first season of a podcast or to treat you with respect and kindness under any situation. Like if you're arguing, there should still be respect. There should still be kindness, right? Yeah. And that could be a foreign concept for someone that has not even experienced that before. So they don't know, you know, that's been a foreign concept for me for my whole life until my mother um, ended up healing. And she probably, her and I probably have the healthiest relationship that I've ever had with um, someone that's actually blood related to me Um, because my family, oh, well, I I keep calling them family. They're not family. These blood related people are so toxic. And so even my mom, like, so like, she may not celebrate me in a way of like, hey, we should throw a party for you. But it's because she doesn't even think that way because she's never even been celebrated that way, you know? Yeah. So I'm really trying to step things up um, and switch those things around because life is short and um, I want to, like, enjoy what we're supposed to experience when we're here, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay, so let's talk about... Okay. A lot of people want closure. They want to figure out why these narcissists are doing what they're doing. Right. Yeah. But I saw your post the other day and you said the behavior is enough. We don't need to know. Mm -hmm. Right. So what do you have to say to the listeners that are still trying to put pieces of a puzzle together that doesn't exist? Yeah. Well, there's two things. One, you're trying to make sense of behavior that it doesn't make sense to you because you don't think that way. And that's a blessing that you do not think that the way they do, right? You can't put yourself in a mindset that's so toxic. So you have a really hard time ruminating and putting the pieces together because you just don't think like them. You just can't understand why they're acting the way that they're acting. So that's why we get stuck sometimes in like the, why do they do this? How could they do this, et cetera? Because it's a completely foreign mentality. Like we do not think that way. So that's a good thing for you. That's one thing. The other thing is uh, seeking closure can be incredibly detrimental because what happens is sometimes we go back to the abuser to give us that closure. And what we're trying to do is is remove them from our lives entirely. And the other thing with that, and I, I speak from personal experience too, so it's almost like I'm yeah. telling you things because I did the things you're not supposed to do, so do everything mm-hmm. 
Like I, I, I did the thing. So don't do what I did. Um, and I went back and I, I text message. I was like, what is going on? We own a house together. Like what, what is going on? Like we, what is happening right now? How can you suddenly just like, how do you hate me? How do you, why are you so mean to me? Like what is going on? Um, and they, they thrive off of that because in their mind, they're thinking, oh, whatever I did must not have been so bad because she still wants me back. I'm so great. Um, and instead of, you know, that I hurt somebody to a point where they're trying to seek closure from you. So they won't give you that closure as one a manipulation tactic. They think what they did is fine. They think you coming back means that they're so great and amazing. And, you know, you seeking closure and, and reaching out to them means that you're obsessed with them and all this other stuff they, they make up in their mind. Um, so you don't want to give them that satisfaction either, but also seeking closure is more for what you need to do for yourself instead of trying to have somebody else apologize to give you that closure because toxic people, narcissistic people, uh, part of closure is, is them also facing accountability. And as you know, it's kind of like an antithesis to a toxic narcissistic person is accountability. So they will never give you the closure that you're looking for because that would also require them to say, you know, I'm sorry, genuinely care that they hurt you. Um, these are all like the opposite of what the narcissist will do. So you need to uh, give yourself that closure because you're not you're not going to get it from the abuser. You're just not. And it's hard. to It's no. hard. But you, you have to learn to do that to, for yourself. Your closure is what they did to you. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't need to know why. You know, you don't need their apology. Their closure is the disrespect. It's the abuse. It's the infidelity, etc. Like that is the closure because it speaks volumes on their character. That's already closure enough. Yeah. I mean, amen, sister. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's, um, I, I think for people that, um, have like self-esteem issues really gravitate towards like, well, like maybe I'm not pretty enough for them or, you know, like maybe I'm not giving, there's something about me that is making this person do this to me. And Mm -hmm. what everyone needs to know is that there is nothing on this earth that is an excuse for someone to treat you that way period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse. Yep. And their actions speak volumes about them and not you. Mm -hmm. So everyone listening, write it down, tattoo it on your forehead. I don't care. But remember that because I'm telling you, you're going to stay and waste time and create more hurt, more confusion. And you could have just nipped it in the bud so much sooner, started your healing process, and moved on with your life. That's, Mm -hmm. like, my only regret that I have that I still am, like, working through with therapy is how long I stayed and the amount of times that I kept going back. Yeah. And it's hard, right? We're in a trauma bond. No, you're fine. One second. Come on, Tiki. I'll let you out, baby. There you go. Little piggy, it out. Um, okay, let me see. Um, okay, I wanted to talk about the they hate you, they don't love you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They that resent was, you. That was <laughs> one of the hardest things for me to come to reality with was that mm-hmm. this person never loved me. Ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, hate, he hated me. He did. Mm-hmm. I, there was times that I would even hear him say, like, why are you even with me? But yeah. it was all a game to him, you know? Yeah. What do you have to say about that to to people, like, about so, narcissism? Because it's so hard for people who are not narcissists to would even understand why someone that hates you wants to keep mm-hmm. you around. Because for <clears throat> normal people, <laughs> if I hate somebody, um, bye. Like... <laughs> I don't want you right? in Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot there, right? So it's um, sometimes they keep you around for validation, really. It's just, you know, really that source of validation and supply. Um, the other thing is when I say, well, like when we say like, you know, look at the behavior, look at the actions with someone that loves you, treat you that way, right? And it's so complicated for people that have previous experience with you know, maybe even a parent that said that they loved you, but but treated you, abused you, et cetera, to, to mm-hmm. grapple with that too, because our version of love is so distorted, right? Because a person that says they love yeah. you, they also abuse you, right? But, but love, truly like love, a person that loves you hurts when they hurt you, point blank period. So when we say, when I say like they hate you, they, they resent you because at the beginning of the relationship, when they idealize you, they see an image of you, a perfect image of you that they want and they see as you. Like they don't even see you. They see this perfect pedestalized image crafted in their minds of you. As they get to know you and as you're a human being, that distorts that image, Right. They start seeing yeah. these little things about you. They start criticizing you. They start seeing these little things that don't match up to that perfect image. But instead of thinking to themselves, oh, I projected a perfect image onto this human being that cannot live up to that, they resent you for it instead. So it's it's more resentment. It's more resentment that you're not <clears throat> this this image. So what they try to do then is control you. They try to control you and mold you back into this image to prevent the dissonance that they have in their mind. So it's it's a resentment. It's something that they're usually subconscious and unaware of that they're doing, but they are trying to uh it's also why like they're very controlling. They're trying to mold you back into this idealized image that just is not it's not realistic. It's not attainable. Yeah. Um, so do you mind, um, sharing like some of your story because you obviously have experienced a narcissist you already said that your dad was a narcissist, but you also dated one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, my dad was more physically abusive angry, rageful, very like the typical grandiose kind of malignant narcissist personality. They all have a persona, though, that makes it seem like they're these wonderful, nice people to the outside. Like that's the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde that uh, Dr. Sandra L. Brown talks about a lot with these like type of abusers and personality types, right? 
Um, so when I met uh, my ex, who was very much the opposite of that, a very like kind of shy, kind of seemed uh, reserved, at least around me and my friends and family, um, very like lots of manners. It was the opposite of what I had experienced. So I thought this person would be safe. Um, and and the other thing is he was saying how he's a feminist. He was in therapy. Um, so very much a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was it was a little bit hard. It's harder to spot because they make you they put on this act that they're these safe these safe guys, you know, these safe guys that love women, that they're in therapy. And my God, a man in therapy, you know, now, like, that's crazy. That's great. I love that. Um, so I thought mm-hmm. he was healed and working on himself and has deconstructed, um, I guess, you know, whatever patriarchy mentality that he had. So I thought he was safe. Um, and I thought I met Prince Charming. I was constantly telling my therapist at the time, because I was in therapy because of my childhood, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, um, that, you know, I feel like I'm Cinderella because he was also, you know, uh, he's, he's a person on the internet with a lot of followers, a, a creator with a lot of followers and was sweeping me into his world and uh, taking me on these vacations. He took me to Italy. Um, I was like, just... I was I was just swept away with with this world that I just was not I wasn't really used to like not really not like not really used to it ever I I didn't grow up rich right um so yeah. so if, if you put that together right there's the love bombing the the flying me out the writing me love letters telling me I'm this goddess that he's like obsessed with me so glad I'm in his life he loves me so much it's 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 all of these. Oh, these acts that I thought I didn't realize it was love bombing at the time. But now you talk about it. You're like love letters and like all these things and flying me to places. And we had only known each other for less than six months. Like that's a lot right off the bat. Right. And a little bit unhealthy. People still right now would be like, oh, that's a great guy. Like, yeah, I didn't know the other side of that story. I would be like wow, like I'm a little jealous, you know? Yeah, no, it was, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this is great. Like I've never been treated like this in my entire life. And, uh, with a covert abuser, covert narcissist, they make you feel really incredibly safe. So he was also like Mm -hmm. opening up about his feelings, about his past. Um, I was opening up about my past. I told him things I had never said to anybody before. It was like, very, very vulnerable. Um, the beginning was great. As, as you know, with all narcissistic relationships, the beginning feels like a whirlwind. I kept saying that also, that I felt like a whirlwind. I wish, that's the other thing. I was saying, saying these words, feels like a whirlwind, feels like I'm Cinderella, feels like I've, this is the most amazing relationship I've ever been in, to my therapist at the time, who wasn't quite uh, informed about what love bombing was and narcissistic abuse. So mm-hmm. she was like, I love this for you. You deserve this. You know, all this stuff. Oh, and I'm no. like, I do deserve this. She's she's educating herself now after the fact. 
but um <laughs> but yeah, no. she encouraged your abusive relationship <laughs> she didn't know she, the guy seemed great sending me you know flowers and writing it wasn't just love notes also it was like he would send me like this like he made a little packet of uh of notes that I would open up anytime I feel stressed and I had a little I had some money in it to get myself a, a chocolate or I had, like, I had a chocolate and somebody to get myself some money, I had some money to get myself some Starbucks and just like get my little coffee walk. And I, I had like, like, I don't know, like 15, 20 letters of this anytime with like a little mo- motivational quote in it. And I would open it up and have a little chocolate and some money to go get myself a Starbucks when he's not there. The yeah, <laughs> I know. What? It's really re- like, it's really, Yeah. So you're like, how do people, when people are like, how do you fall in love with these people? Don't you see? Um, would you not fall in love with that? That's adorable. That's adorable. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, 100%. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, like that's so, why I'm so thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, and like, like oh, they must be so want... dumb. Yeah. No, you're, no, we're not dumb. The people that are dumb are the people that are not educating themselves. So. <laughs> hmm. exactly yeah and so that all changed really quickly <laughs> it all changed really quickly um we co-signed on a house together less than a year knowing each other um yeah see it was all that's the other thing that's another the red flag is is quickness it's how quick the relationship is moving if and if you start saying things like feels like a whirlwind feels like i know this person for all my life that's another thing i kept saying i feel like i've known this person all my life uh what might be happening is that there is the quickness of the relationship at the beginning any any toxic relationship starts with incredible quickness it's it's very fast and it feels like a whirlwind it feels like you're caught up in it and then um because these are toxic people with toxic mentalities and so they are trying to suck you into a relationship before their mask will drop and they know that's only going to be a matter of time and then uh, other, the other red flag is, you know, if you start saying, I feel like I've known this person all of my life. Uh, and while that can be true for some people, what can also be happening is this person is mirroring you and they're mirroring your behaviors and they're mirroring like, you know, oh my God, me too. Oh, wow. That's something that I experienced also. You know, it's, it's, it's that mirroring of your mannerisms and behaviors and your maybe even the beliefs that you have or the the ideologies that you have, your morals that you have. So you feel like, you know, if you're someone that's looking for a long-term partnership with someone that has similar morals than you and they're mirroring the same morals and they're mirroring the the interests that you have, of course, you're going to feel like you've known this person all your life. That happened to me. Yeah. I felt Mm -hmm. like I had known this guy like lifetimes before. Yep. Uh, Same. I mean... It was like we had like the same childhood, like yeah. Mm-hmm. So been there, know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, um, yep. And that that doesn't last for long. I want to say it's like s- three to six months, and that's when you're going to see little cracks in the persona. And that's not the same for everyone, but that's that's typically what I see. If things are moving fast the faster they're moving the easier it is to miss things because you don't have Mm -hmm. time to sit down and go over like okay what is happening that's why it's so important to move slow in these relationships 
Nice. So you ended up co-signing on a house. Mm-hmm. And then how much longer after that was it before everything exploded? Um, I'm going to say we only really only stayed there, oh gosh, two to two, three months. We, uh, November is when everything f- fell apart. Um, but yeah, that's actually something I write about in my book too, is abusers will drop the mask at very specific times when they think that you're trapped. So uh, it's my chapter called Tipping Points. It's not me. It's like on a bunch of domestic violence websites. Like It's kind of a pattern that we've noticed that a lot of abusers have. I'm not sure why, but I think one of the reasons is because uh, that's when they feel that they can be comfortable with you now when you're when you're trapped. Um, but also, just like cohabitation in general ca- causes more stress, and abusers are have maladaptive coping mechanisms. And instead of handling that like a normal person, they try to control their partner. Um, so that's that's another thing. But but yeah, cohabitation um, is a big tipping point. Uh, marriage, pregnancy, um, all of these life events. Um, is when we we see an abuser um, really show themselves um, very drastically, very quickly. Yeah, because they kind of sort of feel like they have you trapped now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're yeah, like, absolutely. We have, we have her now, so. Yeah, yeah, that's why, I mean, when people say, is it conscious? I'm like, yes, it's conscious, because otherwise you wouldn't see these very specific patterns, right? Mm-hmm. When they think that you're trapped. Um is it malicious? Uh, yes and no, but but it's mostly absolutely conscious. Yeah, um, like I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They they absolutely know what they're doing, and it's just it's disgusting. Like so. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just don't care. Um, why do you think? that we're seeing an uprise of narcissism right now. Do you think it's just the awareness that is uh, being brought to surface right now? Or do you think that as a society, we actually just have more narcissistic people now? I really don't know. I want to say a little column and column B, little column A, column B. Right. Um, Because like I said, my mom was with a, you know, very abusive narcissistic person. Um, I think before we didn't have the label, mm-hmm. really. Um, we used to say abuser, toxic person, um, et cetera. But because, you know, when people start speaking out about a thing, there's more awareness around it. And when we start seeing patterns, like sometimes you watch these videos, at least what's happened to me, at least, watch a video of, of one survivor talking about their experience and they're like, that sounds like we dated the same person. And they talk about another survivor, you know, saying the same thing. And like, oh my god, mine did the exact same thing. They're all talking about the same person with the same maladaptive patterns. Because you know, so I think before, yes, these people existed, but we weren't able to connect in a community the way we do now mm-hmm. and see all of the patterns and see essentially our relationship reflected in these other people's relationships. You know, so I think a little bit of column A, column B. Yeah. Yeah. I agree for sure. Um, I wished we had like some kind of pill we could just give to these people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Just put them, like make the island that Jeffrey Epstein had and like just like ship them all up there. (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel that. I feel that to my core. But um, like a pill that like, here, have some, here's an empathy pill. <laughs> Please take that. Yeah. This. Um, we were talking um, before the show and I was telling you that I saw on your Instagram the the post that you put that was said our sister children, but they're like Stephen King's children of the corn. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's true. Like, right. Because they don't want to take a, they, they want to do all these things without the accountability. So that's a child, you know, that's not an adult mindset. It is a child. And then another one you had was said, boy math is learning that one in five women have been abused, but not knowing a single male abuser. Yeah. And then I found out later in the comments, everyone corrected me. It was actually one in three. So that's even worse. Worse. Yeah. Wow. Like, great. That's worse. Yeah. So yeah, they, they all know an abuser. Every, every man knows an abuser. Um, I'm sure they know an abuser, but they don't, they don't one of their friends is, but they don't actually think it's an abuser. Yep. Yeah. The whole like, um, guy code thing is not doing mm-hmm. one justice guys. Mm-hmm. And your little guy code thing is actually keeping abusers unaccountable for their abuse that they're causing to lots and lots of people. And so it's not cool. The whole yeah. hose before hose thing. We we've got to change, like as a culture, yeah. society, because it, obviously it's not working. Yeah, and I and I hear oh, oh so true. I and I and I know a lot of people are uh, unable to speak out. Like I know that, and that's why I'm yelling because so many others can't do it, and I feel like I'm safe enough too. So I'm just going to yell it from the rooftops. But they, you know, get away with what they do because of the people around them, the guys around them, whatever, even the girls, actually. I know mine has a few women in his life that are going to protect him. Um, And I think that's worse, to be completely honest. Um, but, uh, But also because they're not held accountable and abuse thrives in silence, right? So they're never going to be held accountable. And so they're going to keep hurting other people. Um, and live on, and, and it's just kind of their MO. Um, so we need to change that. We need to change that. And when I hear, when I see posts sometimes too that are like, um, only narcissists run smear campaigns. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I see it so many times. And, and here's the difference too a smear campaign is something that's false. Uh, when you're talking and exposing an abuser, uh, that's the truth. And and that's really to protect other women, protect other people from said abuser and holding said abuser accountable for their actions. Um, because if they didn't want people knowing about the abuse, they shouldn't have abused you. You know, yeah. they shouldn't have mm-hmm. done that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> days that I want to drive out to his house and kidnap his new girlfriend and just like save her from everything that is going to happen if it hasn't already happened. But there's so many things that society won't allow us to do. So I feel like the kidnapping would definitely get me into trouble. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like it would be looked down on. I get that. I know. And I so, it's like such a valid concern, right? When I know so many people and we kind of like, I, I see two sides of it, like 
I, I've said that before in a post. And so I see two, two people, ha- people have two different opposing opinions about that. Some people are like, you know, fuck the new supply. Like they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll learn soon enough. And it's not my place to get into other people's business and all this other stuff. And I, I get that mindset too, especially when you've, uh, you've hurt, you've been hurt so much and you, you need to protect yourself first. If you're not safe in telling, you know, the other person and you're afraid, you know, they're going to call you crazy and it's just going to feel more abuse and abuse by proxy by, by other people in their lives. And also it, it might reinforce the trauma bond that you, that person has with their abuser. Um, I get that also. I also get the wanting to warn the next person because um, to be super frank, um, we shouldn't know who Professor Sam Vakden is. I, I shouldn't know who, you know, Dr. Romani is. I shouldn't have to know who these people are. We yeah. shouldn't, you know? So I, I, I want to protect the next person. And, and not that they're not great creators and great researchers and psychologists, et cetera, but it's more like you shouldn't have to deep dive and, and understand what happened to you to wrap your mind around a situation if you don't need to. Um, and, and we also grieve the person we were before we knew these people. So, so it's wanting to protect the next person from, from having to understand that information. It's yeah, 100%. I have such a problem with people not speaking out that know that abuse is going on and they don't, they don't warn, you know, the, the victim they don't warn them mm-hmm. of things that are going on like there were definitely people in my ex's household that knew that all these other women were being brought in clearly and yeah. nobody said anything to me about it and i'm sorry guys but karma's a fucking bitch and when mm-hmm. it comes back to you sayonara like have fun because <laughs> i would have told someone right away yeah, but that's just too. Yeah, am. and if they wanted yeah. to live me or not, that's that's their choice. That's up to them. But that's the thing. I live with knowing that this stuff was happening and not tell them. Yeah, yeah, because I would have wanted to be warned. I would have loved to be warned. Um, you know, I think I was a little bit, but it wasn't. It it wasn't quite. It was like very vague. You know. I'm like, hey, just, you know, by the way, I've heard this. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, he's not like that with me. If if they had really sat me down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've even had people say, um, for instance, this guy that I was dating, he was not a narcissist, but he was cheating on me with a married woman. Wow. Found out about her who has a five-year-old daughter, by the way. And mm-hmm. about her, I instantly contacted the husband. Yeah. Right away. And I had some people be like, Jackie, don't get involved. Like, there's children involved. Like, you should never do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. I'm sorry, but I just have a completely different perspective on that. I do, too. I do, too. Because it's also... um if your partner is not being faithful, one, they're going to find out eventually. Like, that's just how those work. You know, it's going to, they're going to find out eventually. I would rather, instead of having to, you know, find out through texts on a phone or going through all this other stuff, just, just be told 
And then also it's like, it might be happening with more than one person. And then you don't know if you're then being exposed to an STD or something like that. Like you don't know what's happening. Yeah. It can be really unsafe. Right. And I mean, some of these STDs are non-reversible guys. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not everybody acts like cheating is like whatever these days, but I think it's like, this is my body. It is serious. It's no, it absolutely is. Yeah, it is. It causes and people that have been with partners that are not faithful, like it causes trauma. It causes betrayal trauma. And then you have to then work through trauma. So you get traumatized. That's very real. Very, very, very real. And I can say that from experience. So I don't Mm -hmm. think that there's been a single person that I've ever warned about anyone else that has later on ever regretted me not telling them, regardless Mm -hmm. if they believed it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And like when you see someone's behavior switch up, don't make excuses for that. That's the other thing. You know, it's the it's the love bombing can get us really trapped into the relationship thinking that, you know, they're, you know, they're just having a bad day or, you know, all this. We make, we make so many excuses for bad behavior because we remembered how they were during the love bombing. When we see someone's behavior be inconsistent with how they presented themselves as in the beginning of the relationship, uh, that's like the that's the that's the red flag yeah and a lot of people say um oh they changed mm. uh, um mm. no nope they're just showing you who they are no they changed mm-hmm. from the beginning to rope yeah. you in <laughs> but yep. now they're showing their true colors so mm-hmm. all right alani it is that time girlfriend it has been such a pleasure having you on the show i'm so glad we finally made it happen and i want you to tell everybody where they can find you what services you are offering give it to them oh okay um you can find me on uh tiktok tiktok well tiktok tiktok (laughs) tiktok (laughs) <laughs> it's a no narc sense so no like nonsense but no narc sense uh you can find my book on amazon uh but they're so nice uh unmasking covert abuse and narcissistic people um and you can find me on instagram i'm just starting like building that up more um and it's no narc sense also but with a with an underline but yes that is where you can find me nice and then what um like services are you offering? Is it just coaching? Mm-hmm. So uh I do I do coaching. I'm very specific to the type of coaching I do. It's people healing after covert abuse and really identifying, hey, this was this abuse. And like, okay, let's let's how do you feel? All this other stuff. Usually also if your question is, was I in an abusive relationship? Like it probably wasn't a healthy relationship. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, so I do I do coaching. Um and I make content and um, I help people heal. Nice. We love that. So I'm going to go to LA during Christmas um, to visit a friend. And um, 
eat some of my food there that I have been missing <laughs> since oh, I'm yes. no longer in LA. Um, but there are a lot of places that are now doing the whole, um, they have the little like mailbox set up outside of their house with the books in them. Oh, and you can get a book and like pass it along and put it in another one. So I'm going to drop a book in one of those. Yeah, do it. Um, do you want me to send you one? I could send you a few of them too. Just to, I'm I'm going to drop them in. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, Thank you. So nice having you, and I'm sure we will be in touch. Season two is launching after the new year, and who knows what that will bring. So exciting. <laughs> Bye, girl. Bye. Mm-hmm.